are now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Beautiful Cayman Isles. I cannot forget. How is everyone? It is Wednesday. And yes, I am more than aware that it's a public holiday. Some people ask me, why do you do a show on a public holiday? Don't you want a break? And I say, of course I want a break. But I also know that there are people waiting for the show this morning. And so I do my best to you know, have a show whenever I can, even if it's a public holiday. This is a public service, my good people. And especially now during election time, shortened by six weeks, <clears throat> I think that we have, we hardly have enough time to get through all of the important topics and discussions that we wish to cover. So 
Yeah. <clears throat> my apologies. My frog voice has returned for the public holiday. But I'm very, very aware it's a public holiday. And yet here we are. At CMR, you know, we don't get double pay or anything like that. We do it for the love of what we do. We love bringing you guys the SUS, the information. I'm actually doing something a little bit unusual this morning and that I have half of a um, muffin. This is a, uh, um, what are these called? This is a banana nut muffin. And uh, I'm going to eat half of it just so I can take my antibiotic, and hopefully that's enough to kind of coat my stomach. I know that muffins are nothing more than glorified pieces of cake. So it's not the best thing for the diet by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but just to eat a little something so I can take this tablet. There we go. So good morning to Morna. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Morna is always asking me, where's your camera? She likes to see what's going on, folks. She doesn't like to see my still photo. She's like, I want to see you. <laughs> Boy, we can get into some election slips this morning. Believe me, you. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Sometimes I get like the juiciest pieces of information. And I can't wait to share it with you guys. Because, you know, you guys deserve to get all of the news. And so I'm here to bring it to you. Uh, good morning to Neelas. Thank you so much for tuning in. How is everyone feeling this morning? I know it's a public holiday. You could sleep in a little bit. Most of you probably have your feet kicked up in bed. Uh, Marshall, you guys do not have a public holiday in the States, as far as I recall. <clears throat> so you were probably shoveling snow or headed out to work. Now, I'll tell you what, in the States, they've been getting some snowstorms, in case you guys missed it. And, uh, wow, someone sent me a photo. Let me see if I can pull it up. Because some of the photos, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of snow. Let's see here. <clears throat> so I've been going through a lot of um, court cases from our database, you guys know that the courts have prohibited us from actually viewing files at the moment, criminal files, while they decide on a process, which is so weird. They claim that it's over concerns of data protection, but I want you to keep in mind that the data protection legislation has now been enacted, <clears throat> I believe since 2019. So some two years later, they're trying to sell us that bunch of cockamamie. And <clears throat> I suppose some people might believe it. Uh, there's more afoot here. And it's so interesting how the government, government departments, and senior people in government feel like they can make arbitrary decisions that really <laughs> defy a little bit of logic and oftentimes actually go against the law. They can do it, folks, because they are used to operating in a system where very few people challenge them. And challenges now are starting to come their way. So the average person has figured out that, you know what, I can sue the government 
Sometimes you need a lawyer. Sometimes you don't. But yes, I can sue the government. And um, it doesn't always, you know, mean that they're going to get away with the things that they do. People have been suing and winning. Chantal Day and Vicky Bodden suing the government. Not only do they sue the government, but the courts say, hmm, on a technicality, you may have won, but this is wrong. It's wrong in law. It's wrong in terms of even just the right thing to do. And so the courts might give the government a win, but they still say to them, they still chastise them and say, you have got to resolve this. You have got to fix this. So the people have learned that they have the power. We often do not exercise it, but we have it. Isn't that amazing? More and more people are protesting. So I'm watching keenly how long this government thinks that they will be able to do what they're doing, ignore the open records policy of not just media, but a right to be able to see public records. They have a process for media and, you know, COVID has changed the process slightly. But at the moment, they seem to think that it is okay to withhold access to public records. Hmm. And I guess they're thinking, well, the media isn't going to challenge this. Right. Well, folks, they may get an eye opener yet. Stay tuned. So we've been making some headway in terms of our efforts to um, get access to press releases and so on. I know the other day I shared with you guys that the um, someone said to me yesterday, actually, they found it so interesting. This was a lawyer. Um, when I shared how on that list of individuals who received the premier statement in relation to the early calling of elections, that we didn't get it. I reached out to that office and they said, oops, it was an oversight. Now we haven't gotten stuff in the premier's office before. So you do wonder to yourself, well, gosh, how many oversights do you get before someone starts to go, really? So we have been assured that now we're added to the list. So my good folks, I will keep you guys updated on that front and let you know how it goes. Oh, here's here's the um, here's the snow. This is somebody's. Um, I can't remember if um, I think this was who sent this to me. It wasn't Larry. I think this is Louie that sent this to me. Folks, that looks like Louie's. Hopefully that's the back door but it probably doesn't matter if it's the back or the front door. But when he opens his door, this is what he sees. A lot of snow. Go out there and make a snowman, but check that out. Isn't that amazing? I think this is this is uh, Louis. So that would be Detroit. Wow. Packed up against the door. 
No doubt Louis and Larry will be staying inside and uh, enjoying their CMR mug of hot chocolate, tea, coffee, something nice and warm and keeping them cozy. So I want to talk about West Bay a little bit. West Bay, lots of peculiar things happening in the District of West Bay as it relates to um, the election. Good morning to Mr. Ernesto. Thank you so much for tuning in. Mr. Ernesto loves the program. Um, one of her many fans from within the Filipino community. Thank you so much, sir. Um, Desi is joining us from Jamaica. Beautiful Jamaica. Thank you, Desi. Christine, good morning to you. There's Larry from New York. Fernando says good morning and good morning to all. Thank you, Miss Linda, for joining us. And here is Emma. Hi, Emma. How are you? Uh, Morna says you got that right. Love to see your beautiful face. <laughs> I know, I know. Good morning, Mitzi. You can tell when it's a public holiday because people who I don't ordinarily see are here. So Mitzi's probably taking the morning off. She's a small business owner, so you never really get a day off. But um, at least you don't have to get in that traffic so early this morning, right? Miss Primrose. Hello, beautiful Primrose. How are you? Bonnie is always here. Thank you, Miss Bonnie. I need to get you a mug, Bonnie. I know I keep my promises, so... Maybe today is a good day to send me some directions to come to you. Marshall says he is still in bed because guess what? It's cold at 31 degrees. Ooh, child, I'd be tripled up with the blankets. Ugh, that's cold. Good morning, Morna again. She says it's beautiful and sunny here in our beautiful Cayman Islands. Rub it in, why don't you, Morna? <laughs> Esther, thank you for tuning in. Larry is working and he's uh, got 24 degrees and sunny. You know what, though? I like when it's cold and sunny. Like if it's cold and dreary out, eh, like those days are okay every once in a while because you need to mix it up. But cold and sunny, oh my gosh, it's like a perfect combination for me. So, um, Larry, go get those coins. Christine. Good morning. I think she's saying wow to the weather reports. <laughs> Who else has got a weather report for us? Miss Irvlin said that she slept in late. I slept in later than usual because I didn't have to get up and get everybody else ready. So that was perfect. I just had to get myself ready. So I was able to roll out of bed, roll into the shower, brush my teeth, you know, do the, the usual. And I didn't have to worry about waking up the baby and getting her ready. So that was good. She's sleeping in still. Uh, Larry says that he'll be staying in tomorrow because it's supposed to be five to 10 inches of snow. Wow. So let's get into it. I know you guys are here for the SUS more than anything else. Um, first of all, let me, um, let me just say that, um, I wanted to, uh, mm, mm, mm. some more election, election sus. Uh, what a hot mess. Hold on now. That's Georgetown sus. We soon get there. Hold on. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I 
Folks, I am getting more election news right now on WhatsApp than anything else. Ooh, we're going to have a hot morning. Get the tea ready. It's going to be good. All right. Let us get on it. So yesterday, we uh, <laughs> we actually uh, dropped a bomb the day before that Tar Rivers is likely not running again. Hmm. So, first of all, before I forget, let me give a big shout out to Pastor Murray at the Bethel Refuge Apostolic Church at number 23 Devon Road in Prospect. Went there last night for service. They had a revival since Sunday. And um, I must say that I've been there before and it's always a lovely service. And they are very, when you talk about a revival and getting you energized, trust me, that's a church you want to go to. So big shout out to him and his entire congregation. They always welcome guests so warmly. And I am no exception. I had a lovely evening last night spending some time with them. The message was on point. And, um, you know, it it was just a wonderful service. So I appreciate his courtesy. He's always uh, got an open door policy. And as you guys know, Pastor Murray is also a teacher at one of our local high schools. Now, that would be John Gray. And he does, um, he's the founder and one of the board, and he runs the Boys to Men program which is a fabulous program that helps our at-risk young men, um, our our at-risk boys to become productive men, gives them uh, mentorship and um, training in a number of different areas and tries to put them on the right path in life um, so that they can have some hope for their futures. So Pastor Murray uh, really does a, a lot in the community and I thank him for that. One day I'll invite Pastor Murray in the program so that we can talk a little bit more about his Boys to Men program. But big shout out to his church there um, off of uh, Prospect, Devon Road in Prospect. I always get lost though when I go down there. I got to tell you, Prospect and Red Bay, there's so many like little roads that connect you then to Patrick's Island. Then you can come back through to the Newlands Bypass. And at night, it's even more confusing. But anyway... Big shout out to them. So good morning, Miss Romelia. Thank you so much for tuning in. Neela says uh, she better not run because she's going to lose this election. Well, she got the memo loud and clear. So why you people don't leave poor, um, where her name is? Tara alone. My tweet them. But you know, we give it to you cold and hard folks. So Tara got the memo that she was doing uh, dismally. Is that a word, dismally? Probably not. Um, in the polls. And in fact, my sources have shared that, you know, we had these pollsters going around taking polls and um, she was doing so bad that her friends over at Walker's said, let us save you the embarrassment of losing in this manner. And instead, we will give you an out. Now, isn't that fortunate? 
how many of us would ever get an out in life like this? I mean, Tara, you are one lucky cookie, okay? You're one lucky young lady. There's the beautiful Tara Rivers. You are so fortunate. Tara is a qualified attorney. You remember all the hoopla back in 2013 when she ran? There were questions about whether or not she was even qualified to run because she had been away. In the end, the judge found a way to confirm her eligibility by essentially saying that she was eligible. We kind of stretched the rules a little bit. But she was eligible because she was away working to further her professional career. Okay. Mess with Tara. She's got the luck of the Irish. So, reports coming in, not doing too well at the polls. And so she starts to worry. And, you know, she's been uh, Minister of Financial Services this last term. And so it turns out that they have offered her, this is the talk on the street, folks. Now, we get it. We give it to you as cheaply as we got it. But I can tell you that this story seems to be well-founded. So in other words, my sources, we say speculation, not confirmation. That's because Walkers would never confirm such a thing. Tara would never confirm such a thing. We reached out to her and she did not even have the courtesy to reply to the email. Not that we expect any differently from her. Hopefully she does better by her clients over at Walkers, but anyway. Um, so for now, we'll put it in the nice little bin of speculation, not confirmation. But we know that Tara has been offered a job at Walkers. Um, in exchange for not running. Hmm. And I'm pretty sure she won't be making $6 an hour either. So bless your little heart, Tara. Um, she will be retiring from politics. And um, I think that that is probably in her best interest. Good morning, Miss Lulu. And so, yes. Now the story gets even more interesting. A lot of people were not impressed with Tara when she was education minister, and they're certainly not um, impressed with her as financial services minister. So last time in 2013, when she ran, I think she was the first elected member. So as the first elected member of West Bay and the first woman in over 20 years to actually win a seat in West Bay, which is shocking. I mean, shame on these West Bay men who've been who have been um, controlling the political arena, right? Uh, first woman in over 20 years, and she's the first female West Bay politician to actually hold a cabinet position and the first female cabinet minister responsible for education. So she had a lot put on her shoulder in 2013. Now, you guys know my position on this, folks. I've talked about this before, and uh, I really want to reiterate what I said yesterday, which is I do not believe that if you are a first term elected member, that you should become a minister. It is not to your best interests and your best interests. And it's certainly not in the best interests of the people of the Cayman Islands either. You need to get your feet wet at the constituency level, right? You need to spend some time with your constituents, not in the government building, behind closed doors trying to figure out policy and trying to figure out the LA and the inner workings and the whole shebang. 
It really isn't. And I think this is, again, Tara is a product of this. Very few people make this decision and then get out unscathed. Tara is another example. The only thing is, because of her connections, I guess she's a likable person. I don't know Tara personally. You know, I've seen her and said hi and, you know, bye, and that's about it. Um, She's able to get a, a work deal. Now, isn't this amazing? I have a question, though. Does she get severance pay if she doesn't run? I know if you don't get elected, you now get three months of severance pay thanks to this unity government. But if she doesn't run, does she get severance pay? I need to go back and look at that law again. I sure hope not. Because how unfair would that be for someone who doesn't run to get severance pay? Plus she's getting, you know, probably $10,000, $15,000 at her new job as well. So good morning, Jonathan. Jonathan says good morning, Kiman and Sandy blessings to all. Thank you so much. Let me read that again because that, that completely came out wrong. You see how important um, punctuation and grammar can be? I said, good morning, Cayman, and Sandy blessings to all. That's not what he meant to say. He said, good morning, Cayman, and Sandy, comma, blessings to all. Not Sandy blessings, but comma, blessings to all. Important distinction. Uh, Jewel says good riddance to poor Tara. So she's out the door, it looks like. And I haven't really found anyone who is not happy to see her go. And I think that that's very indicative of the results that she was getting on the ground. So as education minister and as um, labor minister, nobody was happy with her. It was under her remit that the $6 an hour was passed. Now, let's be very clear here. All cabinet members would be responsible for that type of legislation. So this $6 um, per hour, right? Who do you blame? Do you blame the minister, all of them collectively, the premier who heads up cabinet and makes government policies? Will you blame them all? Because when it is convenient for him, the premier will um, take, you know, credit for all the good things that his government does. So yes, we've done X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. Good morning, Arliss. Tell me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, so when things don't go right, we would like for you to equally take the blame for those as well. That's only fair, right? So blame Alden McLaughlin as premier and his, his progressive government. That's $6 an hour minimum wage isn't really all that progressive now, is it? Blame the minister, because again, she'll take credit for when she's done things right. And blame all of cabinet at the time. Who thought that somehow $6 an hour made sense? My understanding is it was supposed to be a temporary situation, this minimum wage of $6 an hour and should have been increased, but that has never happened. And you see, that's the danger of passing legislation and hoping that a subsequent um, government or a subsequent cabinet will get around to actually fixing it. Hmm. Seldom happens. The pension law, dismal under her administration as well. She had to propose a slew of changes to that. So it's sad that Tara has broken all these barriers as a woman, first West Bay politician, 
to hold office, elected to office in over 20 years. First female West Bay politician to hold a cabinet position. First female responsible for education, all these things. And yet you leave now, unfortunately, under the um, umbrella of you've really not done a good job at all and people are happy to see you go. And your tenure in office has been most unfortunate. Now I'm gonna be fair to Tara because had Tara been a McKeeva Bush or an Alden McLaughlin, many of you would not feel the way that you do about her. And this is unfortunately the, the hard and tough road that women have to travel that as a man, if you're listening to this program right now, you just don't get. Women are held to different standard, always. And the truth of the matter is, not only are women held to a different standard, but they are more likely to be critiqued a lot um, more severely And they're more likely to have people say negative things about them and dislike them for policy decisions than their male counterparts. So Ms. Romilia says she needed to step down from when she put the minimum wage of $6 an hour in place and had to work more than one hour to be able to purchase a gallon of milk here in the Cayman Islands. But she did not do that alone, folks. And this is where I'm going to be fair to Tara, just like I would to anybody else. She didn't do that alone. Alden McLaughlin and the rest of his cabinet, which included Tara as labor minister, did that. So if she wants to take credit for putting a minimum wage in place, then absolutely. She also has to take credit for the dismal failures of it. I want to talk about Wayne Panton a little bit. Wayne was on the program yesterday. Thank you so much, Wayne, for joining us. And someone said after the show, um, that this is the most humble they've ever seen, Wayne. And I thought, that's interesting. Because there's a lot that you're probably going to learn about Wayne. And I want to say, you know, I, I try to be very balanced in how I view people. There are people in this world, quite frankly, that I just do not like. As Caymanians say, my spirit just don't take to them. And trust me, I listens to my spirit because if my spirit don't take to you, that means you got some bad aura, some bad mojo going on. And I'm not about that life, right? And I think throughout my life, the times that I have had the opportunity to not listen to that inner voice, not listen to that spirit, I ended up regretting it, right? Because that inner voice can be so incredibly on point. Now, Wayne and I have known each other a long time. I don't even know, I don't even know how I met Wayne now that I think about it. I'm gonna have to ask him this if he remembers. Cause I seem to have a really poor memory actually when it comes to like, well, how did you meet someone? Hmm, I don't know. But we've known each other a long time. And um, Wayne has a really big heart, I must say. There's a lot that he does for people and a lot that he does um, in the community, and he doesn't talk about it. He's not that type of person. I have personally benefited from Wayne's generosity. You know, Wayne and I used to talk all the time on the phone. He's a very interesting person to talk to. He has an interesting life story. 
He's intelligent, obviously. He was a partner at Walker's. He brings a lot to the table. So when someone said to me yesterday that this is the most humble that they've seen him, and I was really, really uh, pleased that yesterday that he said that he had made some mistakes in his first term in office, and he had learned from those mistakes. Because we all, nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes, and we all do things wrong, but very seldom do you ever hear politicians say, you know what? I got some stuff wrong. I messed up. And more importantly, I can admit it, but I can also admit that I see the error of my ways. Big happy birthday shout out to Samantha. I've seen the error of my ways and I can now do better going forward and I can make some corrections. The other thing that occurred to me, and I've said this to Wayne, when he was a member of the progressives, I personally saw a shift in who he was. It seems to me that the progressives has the ability to bring out the worst in people. Now, you know, we all have different sides of our personality. As I often say here in this program, we are 360 individuals. Nobody's one dimensional. So nobody is that sweet little old lady all the time. Even that sweet little lady that you see in church, listen, at home, she could be a totally different person. Uh, you get on her bad side one morning or she just wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, that sweet little, little lady might take a broomstick at you, right? So everyone has complex elements and layers to their personality. And that's why when you get involved in relationships with people, you got to really take your time to get to know and peel away at those layers. Because the first layer is always, oh, so nice. Oh, this person's so wonderful. They're so nice to me. They're going to take me out on, on dates and they're going to treat me like a queen and open the door and da, da 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 And behind closed doors now, six months in, a year in, you get to see a more full perspective of who this person is. So always take your time, young ladies. Because eventually we always reveal our true selves and our, and this concept of true selves, maybe it's our full selves, the 360 perspective. So we peel away all these layers, right? So I'm always cautious when someone tells me or gives me a description of individual. Oh, this person is this and this person is that. And I'm like, hmm, okay. That's part of who that person is, no doubt. It's like when people see me, I've had people see me with my daughter, like some lawyers and stuff, right? They see me at court. They know what I do. I report on news, whatever. And they're like, boy, they even tell their clients, mm, don't mess with Sandra. She's a mm, firecracker. And, you know, she puts up a story. Just leave her alone because she's going to have her facts. Uh, just leave the article alone. Just, you know. But they also know that if they come to me with reason and say, um, this could potentially interfere with this individual's ability to get a fair trial, or the judge has some concerns, I'm actually a very reasonable person. I know some of you might find that hard to believe, but I am an extremely reasonable person. I will listen to people, hear what you have to say, and then take it under consideration. Getting back to Wayne, I think the PPM brought out a side in him that I didn't like. And I saw it with Marco Archer, although I, I knew Marco Archer less for sure. 
um, I don't know if hanging around a narcissist like Alden rubs off on other people. It's entirely possible from the little that I do know about personalities and how those sorts of things work. So that's why the old saying, birds of a feather flock together, has some merit to it. Maybe what actually happens with the birds, if you hang out with a bird, another type of bird long enough, you start to develop some of their character traits. And in fact, this sounds a little bit funny, but there's something in, you guys know in my former life before CMR, um, I did professional training, soft skills development, and I have a lot of knowledge in that area. So there's something that we all do as human beings called mirroring, where we mirror the behavior of other people. And it is a technique that you can actually use um, to really connect with people and to make inroads into organizations and uh, you know, put forward your initiatives with a wider acceptance by a group. When you go into different cultures, you mirror those people. So have you ever noticed, I'll give you a good example of this. You're a Caymanian and you've got Jamaican friends, right? So when you get around your Jamaican friends, all of a sudden you start to uh, speak with a little Jamaican accent. You have a friend who is particularly animated, so you get more animated. You mirror people in body language as well as tone of voice. So your friend who speaks really loudly and really fastly, and oh my God, da, 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 when you're around that person, you might not realize it, but you start to do the exact same thing. You start to mirror that person's behavior. And a lot of us do it subconsciously. We're not even aware of the fact that we're doing it. But once you become aware of how this works, and this is a you know, human nature thing, you can actually use it to your advantage. So one of the things you can do, for example, to diffuse conflict is you remain calm in the situation and you take control of the situation and you try to get the other person to mirror your calm behavior. The rule of thumb is you never mirror bad behavior, but of course that's hard too. Because somebody flies up in your face and starts cursing, carrying on like a lunatic, you're likely to respond in kind. We know that. So... I am giving Wayne the benefit of the doubt that he was mirroring bad behavior, which I'm still holding him accountable for while he was under the PPM, because I did see a little bit of arrogance come out. And, you know, I've since spoken to Wayne about this because what you guys don't know is a lot of these politicians, I have very frank conversations with Raul is waiting in the back room here. I'll have a frank conversation with Raul. I'll have a frank conversation with anybody who's willing to listen. Whether it's Frank, sometimes Frank doesn't like what I have to say, but I'm going to still have a frank and honest conversation. You don't have to like what I'm going to say, and you don't even have to agree with what I'm going to say. I would hope that you would take a, you would listen a little bit, but you don't even have to do that, to be honest, if you don't want to. That's your prerogative. But that isn't going to stop me from saying it. This is the cold, hard truth. So Wayne and I have had this conversation and he didn't necessarily see that in himself. But I do think if he was being objective and maybe that's why he came here yesterday and said, you know what? I've made some mistakes. 
And I'm more than willing to correct those mistakes. But in my heart, I mean well for this country. And I'm trying to contribute my skill set to make this a better place for all of us. And I, I believe that about Wing. So Tara doesn't look like she's running. The other interesting side to this story, which you had to read the whole story to get it. And Troy, thank you. Troy says that his understanding is the severance pay is actually going to be for MPs who do not run or are not elected. We're going to confirm that, Troy, because that would be even more egregious than just someone who isn't elected. I mean, if you choose not to run, should you really be getting a severance pay? Good morning, Olivia and Karen. Neela says, let's blame all of them, but Alden and Tara Rivers mostly. Um, I don't know where the idea came from, Amelia, but again, when they make a collective decision that's in their favor, they want us to accept that collective decision. So we're going to just accept it as a collective decision of the progressive government. I agree with Marshall. Let's blame them all. So... Um, the other flip side to this story now about West Bay South is that Andre Ebanks joined the race this week, and we knew about this for some time, but we had understood that he was waiting to tender his resignation. So it was kind of one of those well-placed rumors, but we said, mm, let's wait to see if he's actually, because he's still thinking about it, was what his sources were saying. So I said, all right. Let's wait until he pulls the trigger. So over the weekend, he tendered his resignation. A lot of people have questions about this resignation because they say, wait a minute, how do you tender a resignation from government? Was there not a requirement that you gave three months notice? And we know that one of the reasons why Alden McLaughlin has called an early election is because he wants to get certain people, he wanted to catch certain people off guard who he knew were thinking about it but had not yet resigned or had resigned and said, okay, I'm resigning and I'm giving you until April the 15th because now election is April the 14th. And if you've given your employer like government notice that you'll be resigning, your last day will be April the 15th, then you might not be able to change that so easily without repercussions. So Alden thinks that he's smart when he calls this early election because now he's going to disenfranchise certain people who, you know, were preparing to run, but hadn't yet got their timeline in order or all of their things line up in a duck, their financing, their everything for the campaign. So this, uh, um, Mr. Ebanks, Andre Ebanks resigned quite quickly. And now he has, decided to throw his ring in the hat for the same West Bay South. So Tara is retiring from politics. And so essentially this is going to look like a two-man race between uh, Andre and Raul. And someone said to me, I've got some really smart cookies in my family. And someone in my family said, hmm, why on earth would he give up his UK government job to get involved in politics? And I said to them, there's more to meet than meets the eye to this situation. That was my first gut anyway. And then I said, keep in mind too that 
his job in the UK is a secondment job. I think he was on a three-year contract. And so at some point, he's going to come back to Cayman and return to his deputy, um, what was he? He was deputy chief officer under Tara, no less, under finance. And so when I heard this other part of this rumor connected to Tara, that Andre has also been promised a job, job security, with Walker's in the event that he does not get into office, I thought, hmm, speculation, not confirmation. But that makes total sense, of course. And he also is a previous Walker's employee. Now, I don't know how long he worked for Walker's, but I think it's quite a bit of time. He is also an attorney. So that made total sense to me. I said, yeah, the pieces of the puzzle kind of are coming together. Now, the other interesting thing that happened in West Bay this week, you guys know that um, Mr. Bush was on For the Record on last week, Friday, with OC, and he made some dispersions about um, other members of the LA, which, speaking of Mr. Bush and his bad behavior, remember this picture? This is when they were first... This was the first photo of them, what they thought was going to be the government. And there was Mr. Bush in the mix again, because they needed him, Eugene, and uh, where's the other sidekick? Um, Bernie. Bernie's there behind John John. There's Austin, Kenneth, Alva, Chris Saunders, um, leader of the opposition now is in the back, and Ezra Miller. Well, they took this picture prematurely, as you guys can remember, because this lasted all of a hot minute. And then before you know it, that fell apart and Alden was there ready to reel in another deal. He was ready to pick him apart. And so John John jumped ship with the other members of the CDP and so did Austin. Bruce says that she accomplished a lot for herself personally but did not help to move the country forward in a meaningful way. And here's the thing about it, Bruce. She can do that. People have the right to accomplish things for themselves. But what she does not have the right to do is to do that in the political arena. That isn't about you. It isn't about your accomplishments. It is about you being able to put on your website, oh, I was the first woman elected in 20 years in West Bay and all these other accolades. It isn't about you. It should have been about the people, as Bruce rightfully said, in this country and trying to accomplish certain things for them. So Neela says, Tara makes educated women look stupid and, and incapable of handling power. She was the same minister, a woman, a mother who asked Susan if her kids go to West Bay Public School. Who's Susan? I don't know who Susan is. Hence, Susan should not worry about the defects at the school. Well, I don't, I don't even know who Susan is, and I don't recall this specific conversation, Neelis, but, um, you know, yeah, Tara has done a lot for herself. She lives in a gated community, and I can't knock anybody for living in a gated community. Good, if that's what people want to do. She sends her son to the best school. I don't know where he goes, but I understand he's in private school. Maybe he goes to CIS, which in my opinion... Hmm. We won't go there. But anyway, she has him in private school, which a lot of people equate with being the best schools. Um, 
So, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, it, it is, it is what it is with Tara. I think many of us will not be missing her in the political arena at all. <laughs> it's like good riddance, as someone said earlier, pack your bags quickly. And uh, we hope to never see you involved in politics again. So Ms. Bonnie says that Wayne Panton has always been a humble person. And I think once you know Wayne, you know that about him. But I do think that unfortunately the PPM kind of had a side rubbing off situation where, you know, as minister, he came across a certain way that um, I was always like, hmm, you know, I, I think probably Marco Archer is probably a humble person too. But remember what he did and how he got on the radio and how he responded to a question from Kenneth Bryan and how he threatened poor Jevy in his job? I guess we all have a moment sometimes where you just lost, you lose your senses. Marshall agrees it was human of Wayne to admit that he had got it wrong at times and made some mistakes. We're all human and mistakes will be made. But it's up to us um, to own up to our mistakes. Absolutely. And that that that's a sign of maturity when you can admit you've done something wrong and when you're willing to move forward with some lessons learned. And I believe in second chances. Trust me, I really, really do. Because all of us have had the benefit of someone saying, you know what, I've heard X and Y and Z about you, but I'm still going to give you an opportunity to come in here and prove yourself. So second chances mean a lot. So good luck to Tara in her career move. We did reach out to her for comment. Of course, she did not comment. We didn't really expect her to, but, you know, we still reach out. And so we wish you all of the best. Um, unfortunately, politics just wasn't for you. And it happens, Tara. Um, I'm disappointed, though, as a woman that you have refused to speak out on the issues that matter most to us. Um, and instead sided with this government. Now, I know poor Raul is patiently waiting, so I do want to bring him in to our discussion here. So now that we know that Andre Ebanks has a side deal also that guarantees him a safety net in the political arena, my question to you is, does that change how you see a candidate because a lot of us think, oh, right, these candidates are making sacrifices. They're going to put their jobs on the line. He's re re resigning from this lovely UK job. But the truth of the matter is he'd probably make more money working for walkers than he was in the UK anyway. So is that um, side deal something that you take into consideration whether you decide to vote for someone or not? And the other question that comes out of that is if someone has such connections with an organization like a Walkers or a Maples or a Dart or whoever, do we not then question their ability to be easily influenced by those corporate interests? It's a fair question in a community so small. Because most of the time, when you hear walkers wanting to fund someone's campaign, and interestingly enough, there's another rumor floating around, West Bay hot this year, boy, I gotta tell you. There's another rumor floating around about a young lady who is going to be running in West Bay, 
Wes, McKeeva Bush. I need to put up my little district list. I'm going to do that between today and tomorrow. Um, and she apparently will be funding, funded, allegedly, speculation, not confirmation, by Maples. A partner at Maples is going to be funding her. I'm like, what? They're dabbling in politics kind of a little bit hard. Maples and Walkers, you guys have a lot of free money. Fund independent media. Hello. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yes, it makes me uneasy when I see people, because normally funding comes with strings attached. You see, that's why I don't want the money. I'm like, don't come to me with your foolishness. Unless you're going to just give it and know that there's no strings attached, because that's how we operate here. But yes, when you start hearing about these side deals and promised jobs and all this kind of stuff, my eyebrows begin to go up. And you know, I can raise my eyebrows because I ain't got no Botox going on here. Bruce says we need to get all the domestic abusers out of politics. Don't vote for anyone that does not make a commitment to implementing a code of conduct for political representatives within one month of being elected. There needs to be a zero tolerance approach going forward. Now, let me say something about that, Bruce. Absolutely agree a thousand percent. And one of the interesting things that McKeeva did the other day is he tried to throw other people under the bus. So what McKeeva said was, um, oh, you know, if other people have done it. So he was, he was going to bring a motion of his own, he said, whereby he was going to throw other people under the bus about their past behavior. Now, we've talked about their past behavior before. But one of the things that McKeeva should be very, very mindful of is the big difference between them and him, it appears, is that their past behavior, their allegations, speculation, not confirmation, of past behavior was before they were even in the political arena for 99% of them, including Austin. Austin had a case where he went AWOL and his girlfriend, he beat up his girlfriend at the time, and he went to court for that. He has nothing recorded in his record. So we're familiar with these cases. At least Austin's went to court. But he wasn't yet in politics. He doesn't have a conviction on his record, unlike Mr. Bush. Mr. Bush has a conviction. Not only does he have a conviction, but he actually got sentenced to jail, despite it being a suspended sentence. So there are remarkable differences um, that obviously Mr. Bush is missing. And the problem that I have with McKeeva Bush, and again, likable parts of his personality for sure. I think McKeeva Bush has a very good heart and he's willing to help people. But when it comes to him recognizing that he's got some problems, particularly when it comes to how he treats women, whether it's how he talks to them, how he respects them or lack thereof, and whether or not he wants to put his hands on them. It was so funny that he said in OC's... Um, on OC's show that he's not a woman beater. Really? The court has found otherwise. And not only has the court found otherwise, but you accepted the court's findings that you are indeed a woman beater. So I don't know how you conclude that you're not. The solution, Mr. Bush, take it from someone who is way younger than you. You're old enough to be my father but you can still take counsel and advice from people. Even a baby sometimes has something to teach you. What you should have done in this situation is stuck to the truth, first of all, 
This woman did not assault you. She did not attack you. This was not over gratuities. I mean, the story has gone from like one thing to the next. I heard a staunch PPM supporter yesterday talking about, oh, but she hit him first. Please do not show your lack of integrity, first of all, and intelligence by making such a statement. And I said to that person, I said, with all due respect, I'm one of the few people in this country who can say that I've actually seen the video. So you're not telling me what I saw with my own two very large eyes. In fact, I saw it with four eyes because that day in court, I had my glasses on and they were super clean and I could see everything across the courtroom on the big screen. And I was forced to watch it not just once, but twice because the defense insists on playing the whole thing all over again. She was trying to help Mr. Bush get up. She did not attack him. Now, in his drunken stupor, which he claims that he did not remember initially in his apology what happened, for him to now claim that she attacked him, maybe he thought by her trying to give him a hand while he was pulling her hair and hitting her in the head, that that was her attacking him. I don't know how a drunken man thinks, really. I've never been drunk in my life. But Mr. Bush, number one, needs to leave liquor alone. He needs to get professional help. And he attacked this woman in an unprovoked, violent manner. Those are the facts. Okay? And the reason why I can sit here every single day and say this is because I was there. I saw the video footage myself. I've seen the judge's statement. And he has accepted the prosecution's position. So why are other people out there perpetrating a lie on behalf of Mr. Bush, when they have no grounds to do so. It's despicable. And he has lost for all of his accomplishments in the world that he has done for this country because no doubt he has done a lot of good. He has lost a lot of respect in my book because you do not do these things to women. I am a mother of a daughter and I am a woman myself. And I know the foolishness that as women, we have to put up with in and out of the workplace. It's bad enough that so many of you are subjected to being assaulted at home. For some people, for some women, the only safe harbor is going to work. And I'm not saying that this is this young lady's situation by any stretch of the imagination. But can you believe that you go to work and then you get beaten and assaulted by one of your bosses, practically. And then there are people in this community who continue to say that you, it's your fault that you hit him first. I'm like, are you kidding me? In what world does this make any real sense? How do you blame a victim who did nothing wrong, but in fact was trying to help on the phone, five phone calls trying to call Mr. Parchment, Richard Parchment, please come and get Makiva. He's out of control. I don't know what Richard was doing that night, but he was answering his phone. And then men, other men in this community can look me in the face as a woman and talk about she hit him first. And I said, really? I said, then you explain to me, first of all, she'd have to be the stupidest woman on the planet to hit the Speaker of the House, Makiva Bush, her boss and a man of his size and stature in this community. But let's say she was that stupid. You actually believe physically that she could have 
in any sense of the word, gotten the upper hand in Makiva Bush. It took five people to pull him off of her in the final and third assault of the night. The day I get this video, and I am hopeful that I do, trust me when I say the internet is going to explode here in the Cayman Islands because I'm going to put it on CMR and you will all see it for yourselves. And every single one of you who walked around talking foolishness about she hit him first, her and her girlfriend beat him up, she assaulted him, this was over gratuities, you're going to eat your words. Just like David White said, he's had to eat his own vomit to work with McKeeva Bush. You're going to be doing more than that. Anyway, folks, lots going on in the political arena. Um, Tara's out. Andre is in. Has the backing of Walker's. Another female I just heard, um, which is so interesting. We'll talk about that hot mess of a situation when she officially declares. But she might be coming out against McKeever Bush. There is another man that's coming out against McKeever Bush. We should hear that um, in the coming days. Of course, I know exactly who it is. Listen, you can't keep nothing under wraps here in the Cayman Islands, you know. That's why it don't make no sense for y'all to be doing some of the stuff that you're doing. Don't be cheating on your spouses with these Spanish women, um, Caribbean women, African women, UK women. I don't care where they're from. Because everybody in this community talks your business. Now, one more final analysis about women in politics. You guys remember our friend Deborah Broderick, Nee Miller. We announced back in, oh Lord, let me see when this was, some weeks back, that she was going to be running. Well, poor Deborah, January the 22nd. So here we are, not even a month later, and she has up her campaign stuff. Deborah Broderick, Nee Miller, Northside, let us turn the corner and steer a new course together. This is Ezard Miller's, quite ironically, first cousin. She says she's determined, decisive, dependable, and driven. Well, that's all very fine and dandy, Deborah. But do you guys remember how Deborah took in on me here at CMR when we announced that she was running? She said, How dare you say that I'm running? Well, we dare say it because evidently we work with something called the cold hard truth. You should try it on. And so she went on and on and on and on and on about me and CMR and, uh, you know, we're this and we're that and blah, blah, blah. Well, one thing we seem to be are the truth tellers. Like it or not, uh, Deborah's comment, and I, I'm trying to find it again. I'll have to go and see if I can pull it back up at some point. But she was so offended by the fact that we said she was running for political office, I really don't see what the problem is. But she was so offended by this that she took not only to our page, but she took to her own personal page, commenting and saying the most, and even making a comment about, I'm not a real Caymanian because I lived overseas for years. So what do I know about what's going on in the Cayman Islands? Well, Deborah, let me give you a little word of advice. Again, take it or leave it. But the world in which we operate in, when someone tells the truth on you, whether it's Cayman Mall Road or anybody else for that matter, perhaps the last thing you should do is try to attack the truth tellers because that's what we're in the business of. So 
let me just see. Um, I know I've got her comments here somewhere because they were so incredibly interesting. So Deborah, the other thing, the other advice I would give you to be quite frank and honest is if you are working um, to be a politician and to serve the people, you know, there's a lot of ways in which you can reach the people. Now, I know you guys think Northside and East End are sleepy little towns and you don't have to work very hard for the vote of the people, but I hope that those communities wake up and really um, start to show a different side to themselves and don't let people underestimate your value as voters. So this was her long diatribe. You guys remember this? Where she goes on and on and on and on and on and on. Good morning to all who commented to this unauthorized post by Mrs. Catron. My name is no longer Catron for the record. Get your facts straight. Unauthorized. Wow. Now we talk about wanting to put humble people in office. I would think that before you get into office, you at least want to pretend to be humble. And this, if you read this in its entirety, this smacks of arrogance like nothing I've ever seen. And, um, you know, as a woman, like I said earlier, I think women tend to be judged a little bit harsher than men. That's not fair, but that's the reality of it. So as a woman, you need to be a little bit more conscious of that. Tell your truth, but wow. So she says, to those true, genuine family and friends who gave their much appreciated positive support, I hope they're voting for you. And even those who gave negative support, spelled negative wrong, but who am I? Thank you for your feedback because you're all entitled to your opinions and feedback and it helps us to be better people. Well, I sure hope to God it does. Firstly, let me update the intricacies of this post. Do tell. This is a post coming from Mrs. Catron's perspective. Hmm. Okay. Who is her normal? Uh, the grammar, listen, sometimes we, I'm, I'm not trying to be the grammar police because we do get it wrong sometimes, but boy, this one. Mm. Who is her normal modus operandi and unorthodox endeavors of given news? Okay. Thrives on such news without obtaining the facts surrounding it. What facts did we miss? Because <laughs> if you go back and read the story, folks, the story said that parliamentary assistant clerk canvassing to run against her first cousin in Northside.
Okay, good folks. Do not even ask me what happened. I got this blue screen of death again. I think it's time for a new computer to be quite frank. Um, my apologies. The computer seems to have just been overworked. But anyway, let us continue. So she goes on to say, and thank you so much, Larry and everybody else. Um, she goes on to say that um, that her personal rights have been infringed on. <laughs> There's so much about this post that I find incredibly interesting, incorrect legally, but still interesting. And it's sad that she doesn't have a basic understanding of even what personal rights are. Um, she says, I will officially declare my intention as it's not up to Mrs. Catron to assume nor portray via her paper my aspirations or intentions. Well, folks, as you can see, as it turns out, uh, our reporting was 100% on point. She may not have wanted to admit at the time that she was running for public office, but the irony of it is we don't actually need her to admit anything. Just like I'm sitting here telling you about this sweetheart deal that MP Tara Rivers is getting, I don't need Tara to admit it. The proof will be in the pudding. So when Tara doesn't run, there will be your proof. When she gets her job at Walker's, there will be your proof. And lo and behold, look at the proof that we have today that everything we said in the article about Deborah was 100% spot on. We were accurate down to the very, listen. So there was no need for this response. In fact, she lost supporters with this post, I can tell you, because I had some of them messaging me saying, what on earth is this all about? This doesn't show the type of personality of a person that we want in politics. Somebody tells the truth about you, whether it isn't, you're, you can call it unorthodox all you want. You can call it somebody's modus operandi all you want. It doesn't matter. It is still the truth. It's unofficial. Okay. It's still the truth. And this, this is the, the big announcement. This is your official announcement on your social media page that nobody's looking at, but your 150 friends. Girl, you need to call me. I can help you, Deborah, but this is less than impressive. Anyway, let's go now and talk to someone who is much more impressive and who's been waiting very, very patiently. Raul. Hey, morning, Sandra. How are you? Buenos dias. Buenos dias. And thanks, A lot of people thanks. don't know that you, you're fluent in Spanish, yes? I, I, I can speak Spanish. I, I, when I, I arrived here, I was very young. It just so happened that I, I actually kept I, I, I can, I understand everything in Spanish. I can't say I'm fluent when I'm speaking it, but I, I can hold my own. Yeah, I can say it. You can it hold I'm, your own. Yes, I can. That's perfect. Right. But happy um, Wednesday. Happy Ash Wednesday to everyone. And to you. Yes. Thank you so much. And yeah. happy Ash Wednesday as well. Yeah. Uh, I know you're a man that goes to church. What church do you go to? Remind me. We go to the, the John Graham Memorial. I mean, that's where my wife is a member of. I, mm -hmm. I, I used to, when I was very young and grew up in Northwest Point, I actually used to go to the Wesleyan Holiness Church because it was close by. I literally lived right beside it. Um, okay. So I would just pop over and, and go there. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Very nice. 
So are you giving up anything for, um, I know this is a, a time that we start to reflect and you know, what, what, uh, sins, I guess, or bad habits that we want to give up for Lent. Are you planning on giving anything up? I am, Sandra. I'm actually, I, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a, you may actually, because one of the big, one of the things that I do, I love to eat sweets. And I mean, mm -hmm. any type of cakes, brownies, anything. And I will sit and eat an entire cake over a weekend. So, wow. Am, and you stay so slim? <laughs> yeah, I know I've been blessed with genetics in that, in that regard. Yeah, but I am planning to give up sweets and, and sugars as well for Lent. So, wow. The, the, so, all well, sugars. Well, well, it's difficult, right? So, I, I normally yeah. would have like sugar in my tea or, or coffee. I'm yeah. going to give that up completely. So, no, no sugar in any, any coffee or any tea or anything like that. And, um, wow. and I don't drink a lot of coffee, but I'll have like a, a half a cup of coffee on a daily basis. And, but mm -hmm. I normally put sugar in there. And a lot of my friends who've known me for a long time, and I'm sure if they hear this, they'll be laughing because I would be like heaping spoons of sugar in it. And they're like, how do you do that? So I'm actually going to give that up because that's, that's something that I crave. And I, I, a friend of mine always say, you know, you're going to be diabetic, you know, because the amount of sugar you eat. So I'm going to mm -hmm. consume. So I'm going to actually stop that completely. Like no sugar in my coffee, no sugar in my tea. And I am mm -hmm. actually going to cut back significantly on on ice cream as well because sometimes i'll sit and eat an entire pint of um of ice cream really yeah wow i think last night i had um half a pint <laughs> at like 10 o'clock oh my gosh what's your favorite ice cream well i got i got a few so i like dulce de leche um which, sorry which one dulce de leche it's it's oh, okay uh, yes and, uh -huh. and vanilla i'm pretty plain when it comes to, to ice creams i'm not like oh off the wall where my you know my kids are always buying these weird flavors from ben and jerry's no i'm just like of vanilla flavored vanilla or um or dulce de leche hmm, interesting. Do, you eat, do you eat ice cream what are you giving up for? well i don't know yet because why i also have a sweet tooth yeah but it's it's hard yeah, <laughs> i'm wait, not for sure yeah, yeah I, I, um i like help. to adopt habits like okay. for me you know giving up stuff is interesting but i think adopting a new habit should be part of uh let as well like mm -hmm start to exercise again or you know right so i think i can cut back i don't know that i can cut it out completely mm -hmm. but i think that i need to look at my sugar intake as well and hope to cut back significantly right so i can, I can commit to 80 percent. see i'm a realist like i don't uh <laughs> yeah. i mean i mean and we are i mean i think i'm not i'm i sometimes i'm disciplined like you'll go and i'll remember okay i can't put any sugar i can't mm -hmm. put any sugar and there were times that I've actually put one, then I, oh, geez, what can I do? I guess I'll drink it just tomorrow, just make up for it tomorrow. But, you know, we're not, we're not perfect. We have to continue to strive. Yeah. And it's about. a lot of habits, too, because once yes, you develop exactly. these habits, it's a uh, the brain is like an auto mode. Right. And it's difficult to break out of that habit, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to normally replace it with a new habit for the brain right. to really understand this isn't what you should do. Especially sugar. I mean, sugar is yeah. in our body. It's addictive. That, right? Yeah, it is addictive. It's one. It's very addictive, and, and sometimes we have to wean ourselves off of it. So that's yeah. what I'm going to. That's what I'm going to attempt to do. That's what you're going to attempt to do. Yeah. All right. So independent candidate for West Bay South. Uh, lots of things happening, as you can see. My apologies for going on a bit this morning, but there's so much going on in the political arena, and with me not having an evening show right now. What I've noticed is that that time that I would spend, and I'm kind of thinking maybe I need to just bring the evening show back unless we absolutely have something booked on that day. But there is so much going on on the political front, in particular in West Bay, 
that I couldn't help but um, share some of that information and also comment on some of the those developments which are happening right under your nose um, in your own district. So yeah. what do you make of, of what you've heard on the mall road? Well, I mean, Sandra, my focus is actually to just meet our people um, yeah. because some of these things that are happening really don't affect their lives, to be perfectly mm -hmm. honest. And I, every day I, I actually go and meet people and, and it's, it, you meet young people and you meet old and older folks and it, the issue is still the same. They're still having issues paying bills. They still have issues affecting cost of living. Mm -hmm. They have issues, you know, with insurance costs, with with just basic things, right? That they are not, they're struggling. And and when you hear it from a 20-year-old and you go and sit with an 83-year-old and you hear the same issue, then you mm -hmm. know this is a systemic problem. This is not an individual problem. And this is a systemic issue that unless addressed, we're gonna have not only lost generations, we're gonna have generations that have have that are coming up that will be lost, but we also have people that are older who we're supposed to be taking care of when they're older are struggling mm -hmm. as well. I mean, I was with a lady on uh, Wednesday, no, sorry, Tuesday, um, the 15th, which was Monday, Monday, yeah. Monday mm -hmm. was the 15th, right? I visited, I went, it was actually in my neighborhood, so I went for a walk um, and, they, you know, she, she, she was, she's not in great health, um, but she has served the, the country for thirty something years, having worked in the in the in the um, in the in the hospitality industry, and and she's struggling, right? And she's saying it's very difficult for her to to even get medications and stuff like that. So that's what my focus is, Sandra. I I am not mm -hmm. going to you know like things will happen, politics will happen, people will say things. I'm just trying to do the right thing and do the right yeah. thing for everyone. And and that where I see the need now is is for us to look after our people because i i want to talk about job opportunities in the sovereign mm -hmm. wealth fund i mean one of the things that i think we have a great opportunity now sandra is that we have a lot of persons within the hospitality yes hospitality that are displaced right that are now getting the fifteen hundred dollars or a thousand dollar stipend but isn't this a great opportunity to actually get people retrained retooled so that after covid or after the lockdown has been open that we, there'd be a less reliance on overseas work permit holders filling some of these jobs that our Caymanians can fill. So get the persons that are getting the stipend that maybe we need to be retrained or maybe that were focused on the, on the cruise ship tourism to focus more on stayover tourism and get them into the hotels and have the hotels start a training program so that they can be trained on front desk procedures, on all the IT systems, on, on everything that's required. And now they don't have many persons at the hotels so you is the ideal opportunity to get them trained mm. and and have the a pool of Caymanians young middle-aged and older persons that can actually fill those positions so I, I you know I I would love to sit with the the hoteliers and and like how do you devise a plan so that and the reason why I'm saying this is that West Bay is disproportionately more affected by this because a lot of the population actually work in the in the tourism industry mm -hmm. so persons that worked on a boat for example i mean we don't know when cruise ship is going to come back and if, it, if it's going to come back in the form that it was before i am sure the volumes will be much less than they were before so you know we're nearly up to two million it could be less than that so the the, the ability for to employ the same number of persons in that industry is going to go down so yes. now we have an opportunity we have hotels that are open 
and across the gamut so we have luxury hotels um hotels that are two star three star maybe four star and get so people can be trained in all the systems right and we don't have that 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 I guess that excuse that when we when we open up again, we don't have a pool of key mining. And the problem is we have to be able to, and I understand business people are gonna say, well, we need people that are hardworking that show up on a Saturday. I mean, the tourism industry is not easy. And when you speak with with the older Caymanians, you know, a lot of them actually were housekeepers and worked in the condos. You know, it was not an easy job, but they were able to work, earn a earn a decent living. Yesterday I was sitting, I was meeting a lady who was a bartender at Holiday Inn. Okay, she's no longer in the tourism industry, but she said, I bought my first car from tips. I saved $2,500 and I bought my first car from tips. Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean, that was like in the 80s, that was 84, 82, 80, 81. So, you know, she's now in her 60s, but she would say, those are the times. That I'm, so you can earn a decent living, but we need to be able to train the people and, and don't use it as an excuse because now I think is the ideal opportunity to retrain our humanians. Right. What about what Neela says here? Mm -hmm. She says that system is already in place in most hotels. However, after training, we're never given the position. But the, but I, I agree, Neela. And that that is that is no, no is the ideal opportunity to actually say there's no more excuses. So sometimes they may say, oh, well, because there's a volume um, and they didn't hit a, hit, a, hit a certain standard in terms of pro proficiency. We can make sure that we have enough time and the hotels are not at 90 percent occupancy. They may be running on weekends. Maybe 90%, but during the week, they're not at 90%. They may be at 10% or less. So let, don't, let's, let's get the people in and, if they're, and, and, and force them to take the best persons that, that, that can do the job. But they must, be, they, must be paid, um, they must be paid accordingly as well. And they cannot yeah. be just, you know, that's the issue, right? Is that there are a lot of these people that make a lot of money on, tip, on, on gratuities, right? And now, is, you know, that, that opportunity isn't there. But I agree, Nilas, if that it has to be managed, it has to be regulated like any other industry. OK, you can't just say you're going to do something. And then when the time comes to do it, you don't do it. Yeah, there will be problems. But I think it's worth a try, Sandra. I think it's know that we have this opportunity. We should do it. And it's also worth a try to let employers know that this um, policy of wanting to hire expat workers for whatever reason, because they'll find every excuse um, in the book to throw at you. Um, really needs to be done away with because there are a lot of hard-working Caymanians in tourism, finance, legal, and other industries, industries who are yeah. more than willing to put in the work, who are more than capable of learning and who will learn, and still they're not given the opportunities. I mean, I was always shocked um, post-COVID that some of these same hotels, the first ones that they made redundant and they let go were their Caymanian staff. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? The people that you should be letting go are the very people who are here in a work permit who have an option. They have an alternative in terms of um, going somewhere else to live. Right. You know, and instead we see them letting go Caymanians, by the way, the same Caymanians that they will then turn around during the pandemic and during the lockdown and rely upon in order to keep their hotels afloat because they're closed to foreigners they're closed to tourists. And poor us Caymanians, we are there supporting them like, like we got million dollars sitting in the bank, taking staycations out of pension money, left, right, and center. But the truth, the cold hard truth needs to be understood that a lot of these companies in the best of times have no interest in employing local talent. And so, um, you know, that is also part of this equation and part of that discussion that has to be had. Yeah. Absolutely. Train, train, train. 
uh, during opportunities like this, COVID has presented an opportunity for us to dial back and do a lot of things because we have a little bit extra time. So I absolutely agree with you, but I also agree that these hotels need a change in management, a lot of them, and a change in attitude. Um, Sandra, one second, my dog is at the door. I need to let him back. Yeah. In one second. <laughs> That's okay. We totally, hold on, let me just pull you out here. No, we totally understand that because um, poor Coco, she was um, always scratching at the door when she was here. By the way, I just saw our, our neighborhood of Guti go by this morning. Um, he was taking his time going behind the cars instead of on the lawn. So he takes a different route. But uh, Raul may not know this, um, but Raul, we have a um, saying here on the show that mm -hmm. this Aguti makes his appearance uh, when someone is on that's a winner. Oh, so fantastic. you should. Um, what's the, what's the name of the Aguti? I'll go and I need to see. Wait, I need to go. I don't <laughs> We haven't really named him yet. Okay, okay, um, right. Somebody suggested a just name. Him, why do you just name him winner? Why just name him winner? He's like the um, he's like the octopus. Oh, oh I like that, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That predicts the winner. I of, love it. Um, I love it. You, you know, yeah. all these sporting yeah. events and whatever. So yeah, uh, he just he just literally. I was trying to grab him on video because sometimes I'm able to get him, but he just literally went by. So that should be um, good for you to know that the Gucci yeah. went by while you were on. <laughs> Troy says that as a tourism business owner, I know Raul is speaking a lot of sense. We recovery in tourism and training Caymanians, but we need to make it happen, not just I, talk. I, Troy, Troy and Sandra, I'm in 100% agreement, Troy. The fact is, is that I think the time for talking is, not, is over, right? And in, in order for us to make this happen, there has to be responsibility and acceptance as well, right? So... <laughs> We can't have these discussions with business people and, and investors and, and just be like, look, this is this is what I would like to see. And you said this is what has to happen because from a social perspective is wrong, Sandra. It's absolutely wrong for Caymanians to not have a job, mm -hmm. okay, when their job's available. Secondly, yeah. from an economic perspective is the right thing to happen because if a Caymanian is employed, 90, 100% of what they earn remains in Cayman. Mm -hmm. So the multiplier effect and the ability for that money to continue to, well, we say trickle down or affect other businesses. So they support local businesses, they buy food, they buy cars, they buy petrol, they buy gas, they buy everything locally. When an expatriate gets a work permit, government gets a fee for it. Absolutely. Um, but the fee in the tourism industry pales in comparison to the economic benefit of having a Caymanian employed. So maybe seven, maybe 25%, maybe 50% of their wages remain in Cayman. The rest of the 50% then goes back to the country. So we, we have to, especially in these days, these times, we have to be sensible. And as a government, we now have to think, how do we prevent our people from becoming disenfranchised and becoming disillusioned? And I mean, there are lots of them that are now disillusioned, right? And they won't become disenfranchised. It, be it becomes a social problem. Sandra, I am no... I'm no sociologist, right? But when you read about when people think, when they when they see things happening and they don't see the positive things happening to them, it, it, it affects everyone's psyche. It affects their mentality. And they have in a very gloomy outlook about Cayman. And then that then permeates to, it affects investors as well. Because mm -hmm. an investor comes in and sees, well, you know, socially Cayman isn't moving forward. What Those guys are smart. They've invested in other places. This can only lead to something bad. Let's not, mm -hmm. let's try to fix the issues because I think we have... They, we have the, we have very smart people, 
we have resources available to us we have and we have a community of people that are truly care for Cayman. so let's work together to make this happen but troy your point is well taken the time for talking is is over it needs to be done Ms. Darlene says mm -hmm. that she has um, family members who worked in tourism and as a single mother paid her bills and sent her three children to private school. But she says that is no longer the case because wages today are not possible. So the wages, she's arguing, have not kept up um, with the cost of living. Ms. Bonnie <laughs> says, I bought a piece of property for 20500 cash off of my tips back in 1988. Sorry, and, and that's that's a perfect example, Sandra. Right? I mean, I have, I have, um, I Caymanians do want to work hard, and we've seen instances where Caymanians were. I'm an example of someone that worked hard. Okay, I grew up very humble beginnings in Northwest Point. Right? I, in order for me to go back to school in England, I I went to school at night. Never had a car. I hitched rides. Got a did had to do some courses over. I went to England and I came back and I worked hard, but there are much harder workers in Cayman as well. And that yesterday I was with a uh, another 63 year old seaman, right? And his father was a captain and they, he traveled, his, his route was transporting salt from Bahamas to, the, to New Orleans, okay? Mm -hmm. That was his route. And they, these guys are still working and they just want to make an honest living. He's a painter, right? That, and I think that if these people, and when you speak to them, they don't ask for anything. All they're saying is, you know, like, can we, what we want are opportunities. Because they don't, Caymanians are very proud people, as you know, right? We're not, we don't, we don't want handouts. The vast majority of us don't. We just want to work. We want to make a, an honest living. And, and what, what Bonner just said is, it's amazing. You know, 20,000 20, in cash from tips, okay? Yeah, but we but if if that money exists, and I don't know when this happened, Bonnie, but it, hopefully maybe it was recently. So it's been a while. It's well, that's well, yeah, that's thirty something years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Thirty three years ago. The the thing is, is that there is an there are opportunities now, and 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 what we have to look at is that why do you think people are coming to Cayman? Because there are opportunities, right? But we can't the playing field has to be level. We can't we can't create. Uh, an uneven playing field where Caymanians are disadvantaged. That's not going to happen. And, and when I'm elected, Sandra, that's not going to happen. When we sit down with business, they have to understand that they, we pay, they, we all play a role. We make Cayman a great place to invest, but mm. we have to make it a great place to also live as well, okay, for, for our people. And, and Nilas has a question for you, mm -hmm. Raul. She yeah. says, thank you, Sandy. But she says that won't sit well with Raul because he has friends in hotel management. Yes. So I do. what about this um, comment that you are friends with um, hotel managers? And so she thinks that maybe you won't be able to separate your friendship with those individuals from mm -hmm. the ability to do your job if elected right. to public office. Right. And these, I've, I have friends in, in all industries and uh, needless and and I also have friends in the hotel industry as well. And these are discussions that I have with them and they actually understand and they appreciate that because they say what made Cayman unique, what made it unique for them to come was the people, right? And they need, they need, they understand that it's unsustainable as well to actually not have that, those programs in place. And now it's a perfect opportunity for them to actually do that, right? But it needs to be, government I think needs to somehow step in and say, okay, not every Caymanian it can be employed, but where there is a Caymanian that's capable, that is hardworking, then there's no reason not for that Caymanian not to be employed. It is, it is not, it's, 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 it's a non-negotiable point, in my view. It's a non-negotiable point. Well, Sasha says no more permits for front desk receptionists and management. 
when tourists check into the hotels, they want to see locals. And I'm That's always surprised. Point. Listen, Raul, it used to be a lot more obvious to me when I first returned to the island many, many years ago, back in the late 1990s, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be out to dinner and people didn't know me back then. So I'd be <laughs> listening very intently to conversations. Right. And I would hear tourists ask questions about Cayman culture or location of things. And I would hear foreign um, staff, waiters and waitresses given out information that number one was completely inaccurate. And I would sometimes just sit there and shake my head. And when the wait staff walked away, I would then turn around and provide the correct information to the tourists. And, you know, um, it's one thing to have a foreign national involved in serving and being the front line, the front face of your tourism industry, but to not even have them properly trained and given out misinformation is astonishing because that's the same argument that the hotels or the restaurants want to use is, oh, we can train foreign staff. Caymanians don't want to be trained or they have an attitude or whatever. And I'm thinking very early on, I recognize that in a lot of instances, that isn't the actual truth. Uh, There was much more to why um, companies prefer, prefer foreign staff. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they can treat them a particular way with little to no repercussions Whereas a Caymanian, they know will complain and will get things done. So again, you know, we're talking about the cold hard truth here. Um, Bonnie says, I bought a piece of property. Oh, um, oh sorry, Bonnie. I think that was a repeat message. Yes. That was Bonnie. No, but Bonnie actually made, she actually said where she works, Sandra, which was at Crow's Nest. Crow's I don't know if you remember Crow's Nest. Yes. Remember they had like the best, the best red bean soup and the best um, cornbread. I would go there all the time to have that. It is like unbelievable restaurant. Yes. Uh, Sasha says work should have the stats as to what positions unemployed Caymanians can fill. Stop issuing permits with all of the employable until all employable Caymanians have a job. So work has been a dismal failure up to a certain point. I think Um, they're still trying to find their footing, but they've not done a particularly good job with that. Alric weighs in and Alric says government is out there paving roads that don't currently need paving. While tourism workers are struggling to get a stipend. Are struggling to get two days work in a hotel or get a job. Retaining and reskilling should have started last year, right after the lockdown. Inspire Cayman is the only place I know that offers a trade school to assist with such a transition. Now, to be fair to government, there is a tourism program that is ran through uh, UCCI because I have seen them out and about taking these students to the different um, national parks. Like I've seen them at Pedro St. James and um, other locations introducing our young Caymanians to you know what our national parks are and teach them a little bit about the history. So that is interesting, um, Alric. More trade yeah. schools and trade opportunities needed for sure. Marlon weighs in. He says, single data four needs help with light and rent. Speaking to Alric's point about the stipend, I mean, I'm really, really disappointed to hear that... M- Several months now, the government has been late in paying out the stipend to people. I mean, I had countless people between Monday and yesterday messaging me saying, when are we going to get our stipend money? Because they've got rent to pay. It's only $1,500 now is increased from 1000 It's not a whole lot, but it helps. And people are relying on it to buy groceries, put food on the table for their families, and to pay their bills. And government, the same government who is trying to pat themselves on the back for making the stipend available, um, 
can't even get their act together in terms of being consistent and when the stipend payment will be received so that people know, okay, I can count on getting this the 13th of each month. Uh, Siobhan says we are proud people. We want to take care of and support ourselves. Uh, some of us, Siobhan, for sure. Um, there have been some politicians, unfortunately, who have encouraged this uh, you know, behavior of being reliant on them for a vote and giving handouts and that sort of thing, but that's not the long-term solution. No, and Alric, I agree that most Caymanians do not want handouts. They, they want don't. opportunities, but roadblocks are sometimes put in place. Troy continues. He says, we need to Caymanianize the tourism industry, but with a living wage or a livable wage, no industry in Cayman should rely on the importation of poverty. Some good points there. Very good points. Very uh, Darlene says, I totally agree for front-end people at hotels and resorts. I love to see the tourist product like our neighbors in Jamaica and the Bahamas. And it is very interesting because, trust me, you don't go to Jamaica and see often a Canadian working at a front desk of any of their hotels or, you know, as the head chef or in all these positions. So it is a bit interesting that in Caymanian, we do in Cayman, and I get our population size is a lot smaller, obviously, than Jamaica as well. But it's amazing um, how many foreigners we import. Like I used to have this joke when I first returned to the island, like I would always go out to a restaurant. Cayman has some of the best restaurants in the world. And I would say to the wait staff, where are you from? After the first couple of months, it occurred to me that 80% of them are all from Canada. So I would then, and it was a joke um, with my friends. And then I would stop asking and I would say, hey, what part of Canada are you from? And the person would look at me and go like, how did you know I'm from Canada? And I was like, well, about 80% of the wait staff here came out from Canada. So just call it an educated guess. You know, um, Siobhan goes on to say that employing Caymanians is an ultimate win for this entire country. It puts money directly back into the economy, decreases the reliance on NAU, allows Caymanians to participate in the wealth growth of the country, and allowing Caymanians uh, to truly participate in the success of this island. Now, uh, to be fair, Raul, mm -hmm. I love that any everyone is on here. Alec is talking about his friend who's a bus driver. Um, and I love her people are on here talking about tourism mm -hmm. and the desire for Caymanians to work in tourism and to be in tourism. But we as a people also need to be very, very honest that maybe now that tourism is shut down, we're re realizing the true value of tourism um, when it comes to the Cayman economy. But many of us as parents, as aunts and you know sisters and whatever, mm -hmm. we have grown up in this community somehow thinking that tourism was not worthy, the tourism industry was not even worthy of um, us, of worthy of us wanting to work front desk, worthy of us wanting to work housekeeping and moving up the ranks or being in tourism management or hotel management or whatever, because we didn't see that as a glamorous enough position. We wanted to put on a shirt and tie and go sit in a bank as a bank teller where you probably made less money. It was a fixed income, but you made less money when you considered what you can make from gratuities or tips in addition to your base salary. So there has to be a certain level of honesty amongst our people 
that we also have raised a generation of children, multiple generations now, that do not see the tourism industry as something that you should be proud to work in. They don't see driving a bus or giving right. tours and explaining to people about our beautiful island as something that they want to engage in, that they want to be involved in. And that, to me, is an indictment on us as a community and a real disservice. Not everybody yeah. has to be a lawyer. I mean, right. I've seen more people jumping on that law degree than I've seen of anything else. Not everybody has to be a, a banker. A banker. Not right. everyone has to be a doctor or, right. you know, in finance or, you right. know, whatever. So right. this now is when we talk about the diversification of our economy, where it becomes really important because tourism accounts for some 90% of our GDP. That's a big chunk. Thankfully, it's no bigger than that because I think we would really be in a world of trouble. We're going to be in a bit of trouble anyway. But, you right. know, some economies in the Caribbean, it's like 70, 80% reliance on tourism. Right. Um, Alric says that his friend asked for a change in her bus route because she thought, she thought it would help her make more money to assist her family. Nine months later, the public transport board refused her request. And this is just after lockdown when Caymanian tourism workers need the most help. She doesn't want welfare, but what can she do as her kids as she has kids to raise and to provide for. Right. Well, but, I would like yeah. to see Alric, the reasons for why they refused her request. And I don't, I must admit that I really do not know a whole lot about um, the public transport board and, you know, how these things are approved, but maybe it's one of those things where she needs to challenge the decision if there was no legitimate reason for it. And if there is a need for that, you know, I mean, I guess you have to justify a route change, but if it's going to benefit her as well as the people who uh, take that route, then perhaps she needs to consider her options there. I do see Catherine is here as well. This is West Bay Wednesday. So Catherine, we're going to join you in the conversation. I do want you to pull your screen down just a little bit for me, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then Eden says we have world-class um, tourism accommodations, but not world-class training, um, world-class restaurants, but no world-class culinary school, world-class venues, but no performance arts academy. And we need <laughs> training to Caymanize the tour sector. Very, very, very interesting comments. Very great point. And Sandra, I wanted to touch on to something that you spoke about glamorizing the the, the tourism industry right? or not doing so. I think that as part of the retooling process, we should actually have people who are in the industry and Caymanians, I mean, the, 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 your, call, your participant who spoke about staying at Crow's Nest and working at Crow's Nest and being able to mm -hmm. do that. That's an that's a amazing, amazing story. But there are others that we can speak to, right? But mm -hmm. we need to sit and, and go into like a PR campaign or education campaign to tell them the importance of it. Because you can start off, I mean, take for example, me, I, my first job when I started out working was $75 a week, okay? During, during, during um, like a, uh, it was a school summer job, right? I started mm -hmm. out doing that. I started out as a technician at Cable Wireless, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't, I used to, when I, my first stint at college in England, I came back and my job was to actually re literally work with guys on the road, picking up manholes and, and, and doing like labor. Basically I was, I was a, in, I was a technician. So I did the, the technical aspects, but mm -hmm. I worked with, with laborers and all the way from Georgetown to East End, I became 
intimately aware of every coconut tree on the way to East End because we'd always stop and cut coconuts and drink them on the road. I had the best <laughs> time because I had a and and some of the some of my best friends now, Sandra, guys that I've met 20 something years ago that still come up to me because they were the ones that actually, you know, worked with me. And so the fact is you have to start off somewhere, Sandra. Yeah, and I know absolutely. it's hard work, dedication. And and you know, like I decided at one point, look, engineers no longer run companies. So I went and mm -hmm. went to UCCI and started an economics degree so I could understand finance and understand marketing and understand all the aspects of a of a commercial entity. And I when when the when when the industry deregulated, I became the CEO of Singular Wireless and I became the president of Telecom and then most recently the CEO of Digicel. And no, I know I'm an advisor to the board of Digicel. The fact mm -hmm. is, is that we have to start off someplace. And no one told me that this is how the, the telecoms industry work, because most people thought the guys just fixed lines. No one knew that. But I think we need to sit people down and we're the Internet is a is a is a great learning tool that we could mm -hmm. use to help people to understand that hotels are like a business as a business. So you have all Absolutely. aspects of the hotel hotel industry. So you have marketing, you have PR, you have HR, yeah. you have you have food and beverage managers. They're managers in, in that layer. Lots of positions available to us. Yeah. And I think if we don't do that, my wife who worked in the hotel industry um, in Jamaica, you know, there was all when she said every time people came, they were so impressed that every everyone that they met throughout their journey was a Jamaican. Right. Mm -hmm. And I find it incredible that at this point in time, years ago in the 1980s and 70s and maybe early 90s, you would go to a hotel and a mm -hmm. Kimanian greeted you. Go now to the Marriott. Actually, there's a guy that's working there for the last 25 years. OK, that greet mm -hmm. you at the door. Right. So he's been there for a very long time. So, you know, I think it can be done. I think if the will and the desire is there, Sandra, and I, I see you know people like Troy, who is very passionate, Eden, Alric, mm -hmm. there are others. And, and, and I'm sure Catherine as well. We can work and get this resolved. It's not going to be overnight, but if we if we're going to say it's going to be difficult, then we'll never start. So let's mm -hmm. start now and get it get it in motion. You have people like yourself who's, you know, understand the issues. You have a great platform to get messages across. You you mm -hmm. your your audience is is very young, understands issues, are 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 comfortable with discussing um, difficult problems. Let's let's see how we can all work together. To, to create this this avenue where people look at the tourism industry or other trades as well. I mean, I, I in my company, we we'd love to have more electricians, more plumbers available. Uh -huh. So why not why not set up that? I know I know um, Michael has a, a inspired Caymanian has a, a training program, but we could uh -huh. we could use and employ more Caymanians. And there are Caymanians. There's one guy that works. He's unbelievable young Caymanian guy that. They're all hard workers. And I agree with what Alex says. Caymanians are pro people. We don't want handouts. What we want are opportunities. And it's incumbent on us to make mm -hmm. sure that when elected, we make sure these opportunities happen. Okay. Catherine, Catherine, Kath Kathy Ann Wilkes is joining us in the studio. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. morning you Kathy. look fresh faced and young today. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoying my holiday. <laughs> Um, oftentimes, um, I know as a mom, the struggles of, um, you know, getting things done, even on public holidays, my dear, but thank you, um, for joining us this morning. Corrine says I've worked in tourism for over 30 years, holiday in front desk in the turtle Caymans and the turtle Cayman turtle center. Sorry. Coming August the 3rd will be 23 years working at the Cayman Turtle Center. Congrats to um, the lovely Corrine. She has been there a very long time. Uh, they obviously have some growing pains going on at the, at the moment. Uh, we do know that last week, Friday, there was supposed to be a protest um, 
for, um, sorry. We, um, there was supposed to be a protest, but they have reached out, or contacts have reached out after they signed a scathing letter um, about the management at the Turtle Farm, and they've agreed to meet with the board of directors. So we are staying tuned, if you will, to see you know what the next steps are and what happens from there. So Morna uh, remembers that her and Bonnie both work at Crow's Nest together and that they had some good times meeting people from all walks of life. Siobhan says that she's not surprised to hear about late payments um, coming out of government. She says, remember the BS that goes on with NAU? I have families who put out of their rental places because NAU didn't pay the rent on time. How incredibly sad. Um, mm -hmm. What is your take on this discussion mm -hmm. that we're having at the moment, Catherine? Lots of um, comments here about retooling and retraining Caymanians to give them better opportunities during the pause on the economy, especially tourism economy, during the pandemic. Do you think enough has been done in regards to this by the current government? I think that this is the perfect opportunity for us to reset. One of the prime excuses that a lot of the organizations use is that they're not equipped to do on-the-job training. And here we have many Caymanians who are receiving this monthly stipend and they're not, they don't, they don't have anything to do. Some of them are just out looking for a little job here or there. It's the perfect opportunity for public-private partnership where government, you know, agrees with these hotels, construction companies, restaurants to say, hey, I have a Caymanian who is receiving a stipend payment. I'd like for them to come in and, you know, mirror one of um, one of your employees who obviously probably is on a work permit. And and when we see things like that starting to take place, then we can feel like enough is happening. I think everybody who is receiving the grant is grateful because, you know, they have some means. But I do believe that there is definitely room for improvement, Sandra. Thank you very much, um, Kathy, for that. Um, Nilas says the disrespect Kimani and tourism mm -hmm. workers face is the reason for the for this. The racism and discrimination towards us is why a lot of people rather work for less in the bank and be comfortable. That's interesting. Um, Aliano also chimes in. He says, uh, being the in being in the industry some seven years now, the pay isn't that appealing but it's fun times from wave runner, dive boat, snorkeling, kayaking to Stingray City. I have done um, a good bit. The payment op option is not optimal to good living. A commission-based type of paying would be, would be sorry, would be better, but that's just my opinion. So um, Kenneth is listening. Kenneth says, good conversation this morning. Two great candidates. One of the interesting things, too, about um, Aliano just made me think of this, uh, about the tourism sector. So a lot of tourism-based jobs, obviously, you get a, uh, a base salary, which is normally below the minimum wage, because the minimum wage law allows that to happen if you are in an um, industry, a service industry that pays gratuities. Because the thinking is, you know, if you make $3.50 an hour, but your gratuities pump that up to eight, ten dollars an hour. You have the cap capability to earn more money. Okay, fair enough. 
But one of the things that I have heard, and again, I've never really worked in tourism, but it is my understanding that the banks are not too willing to work with people who work in gratuity-based jobs. So when you have to go and apply for a little mortgage to get an apartment or buy a piece of land or whatever, um, is, it their, is it just your base salary that they want to consider or how do they factor in the gratuities? Because then that is something that I've been told that helps to further disenfranchise Caymanans who are trying to get into the world of land ownership and home ownership. And that just mm-hmm. doesn't seem fair that you would allow mm-hmm. for a gratuities-based system um, or pay system to exist where technically those individuals are not making the minimum wage because you're saying at the end of the day, their take home will be significantly higher because of the gratuities that they can and do receive. But then the banks are not compelled to accept the gratuity payments or, you know, in full as part of their salary. What are your thoughts guys on, on that aspect of things? Um, I, I think that I think that also extends not only to tourism workers who are receiving gratuity payments, but also the water sport operators. Um, I'm a product of that. My father used to operate a boat. And when we lost our house to a fire, and that was 1989 or 90, my dad had a very difficult time securing a mortgage because he was a business owner that relied on um, boat tours that were seasonal. And so from from way back when that issue has been taking place and I'm, I'm sure that it's still something that we're facing right now. How do we navigate around that? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where we're going to need to see some sort of programs um, with government, you know, sort of supporting business owners or tourism workers uh, so that they can acquire low income or just just easier access to housing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a great, I mean, Sandra, I wasn't aware of that. I mean, I do think that banks, they need to look at home ownership as building wealth, right? And building the ability for someone to have a future. They're more inclined to give you the uh, a loan for a car that immediately depreciates mm-hmm. 20% the moment you drive, drive it off of, a, of the lot. But they're not willing to give you something that actually is, that creates equity and that creates wealth for future generations. It's important that banks understand that they play a role in ensuring Caymanians and, and locals get a, a piece of the pie for the want of a better word. So why aren't they? Because the fact is if someone buys a piece of land and, and they have to foreclose on it, you actually have something tangible. If they foreclose on, if they stop paying it on a car, the car has immediately lost its value. So it, it doesn't make business sense. It makes business mm-hmm. sense to give the person the ability. It's almost like we need to create these systems to allow Caymanians to be successful. And, and Sandra, it, it is no longer acceptable for people to say, well, you know, the risk, there's the risk profile for anything that you give a loan. And that's what banks make money. Banks makes money by by hedging and creating risk, right? So the fact is, is that we have to establish a system whereby they can manage that, that risk, but not giving personal loan for, for a home or for a land. It's just not acceptable. And the other thing is that I wanted to, 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 to touch on, Sandra, is on it from the tourism perspective and even just jobs generally. If that it, it is, we all play a role in this, right? And and I think the tourism industry, Alric made a point earlier in terms of it, yeah, it should have happened from last year. I think he's he's perfectly correcting that. But we need to know there needs to be some more more impetus in it. And the other person made a comment on work in terms of there should be a list in my view of all work permit holders, what jobs they're filling. 
and with the Caymanians that are on the, on the next column, Caymanians that are employed that actually match that job. And, mm. they, and there's some training, cross-training that has to happen, but we also have to make sure that our Caymanians show up to work and work hard. The tourism industry is not an easy industry. It's a 24 by seven industry. Because when you work in the hotel industry, you know, they're normally late nights, early mornings, but our Caymanian people did it. That's why those condominiums were first built because our Caymanian staffed them. They were the people that actually managed them. And so it's not that something that we are not accustomed to. I think, as you said, the point is perhaps we need to remarket or re-energize re, re that and show it that it is, it may not be a bank job, but it actually pays better than a bank job. Um, it actually will allow you to move up quicker mm -hmm. because there are more work permit holders in that in that position. And if you work hard and dedicate yourself and study hard, you actually may become a manager much quicker than you were in a bank um, because there's oh. much more competition in the banking industry. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, I think it can be done. And I think we can bring the experts in, the HR experts, the, 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 the training experts, the people that actually have the expertise in this and do it. And Eden made a very good point in terms of we're a sex center of excellence for lots of things. So we're a center of excellence for tourism, culinary. Um, we're also a sector of excellence for directorships. We have a lot of hedge funds and mutual funds here as well. We need to create center of excellence to treat, to train our people and, and also the, the, the development industry as well. You know, we're in a boom now. We should, we should encourage everyone that wants to go in the trade to actually be trained and to get a training so that when this happens again in the boom, we don't have to rely on, on external labor to actually fund that. And the economy will be much better. And I, I, I know I wanted to talk about Sandra on the Servant Wealth Fund, but we may not have the time, but I wanted to just give you some tidbits on, on why I think the Servant Wealth Fund is important because as we walk around, like I'm sure all the other candidates as well. Um, Sorry. Before, before you go into that role, I uh -huh. just want to say quickly before you come off topic That's about fine. the That's tourism fine. bit, I just want yeah. to say that in addition to everything that you're saying, I also feel that we need to find some champions um, I'm sure you can agree with me that, like you said, you know, your wife um, back in Jamaica, she spoke yeah. about the service industry being primarily comprised of locals. I yeah. see that when I travel to Bahamas and other Caribbean countries. And here I see um, there was a comment from Siobhan earlier um, talking about just the same thing, the stigma, mm -hmm. the stigma of Caymanians, you know, being on the front line. And I thought it was, I, I really didn't believe that it was true until I myself found myself at the front desk at one of the hotels while I was going to law school. And Caymanians would walk in and look at me and say, what happened? You're here now? And so this is a perfect time again, COVID, um, the pandemic, for us to really reset the way that we view that industry. And, and we need to find some champions to get on the front line and, and show that, you know, Nothing is wrong with working at a at a front desk or, or serving, you know, drinks at a bar or, you know, as long as you're making an honest living and, and you're providing a human product, you know, it's good. But we need to move past this looking down on each other mindset. And until we do that, no matter how many public-private partnerships, no matter how many stipends are offered, we're still going to be the ones sitting back looking at the foreign nationals that are enjoying the benefits of our country. <clears throat> that that's really just what I wanted to touch on is sometimes we are our own enemy and we need to we need to see it for what it is and we need to change it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah I agree so some good that. comments yeah. coming in. Um thank you, Ruthanna. Ruthanna mentioned the same thing. Um uh with this a um brilliant minds um think on the same wavelength. 
but she was saying the same thing about banks and gratuities and tips not being considered by them. Um, Betty Ann says, true words, Raul, we have to work together for a better Cayman. Um, Eden makes a good point. He says, Siobhan, we've made some sort of unspoken pact two generations ago that Caymanians shouldn't get their hands dirty or serve at all. So mm -hmm. no tourism, no restaurants, no plumbing, no mechanics, no farming, no fishing, which is astonishing because those are the things that our forefathers really perfected and helped to build this Cayman economy. But I guess as the new economy of financial services and banking kind of took over, somehow we sent our children the message that those were the lucrative jobs and the only jobs that one should aspire to. Eddie Thompson, thank you so much, Eddie, for joining in. Um, says banks will not offer or provide a mortgage to someone working for minimum wage plus gratuities, and that's such a shame. So again, I think that as we look at solutions here, we need to look at the holistic uh, problems and look for solutions in that regard as well. So these banks need to be reeled in. And the banks have a lot of power because trust me, they ultimately decide whether someone will obtain a mortgage or not. And no politician or policy has ever been able to dictate to them how they run and how they operate their business. And not that I'm one for trying to control private sector, but I do think that sometimes there are protections by way of consumer protection legislation and consumer uh, protection initiatives that have got to be implemented and to be put in place. So we're one of the few places in the world, especially in this region, that has no real you know, consumer protection. We have price gouging legislation that is there, but has never been triggered or never been enacted, even during the pandemic of COVID, which I find to be quite astonishing. Um, so Miss Sue and uh, Sasha are still weighing in. Good morning, Miss Ronika. She's present. Um, Marshall says that he doesn't think the government is interested in seeing Caymanians hired in hotels or restaurants, uh, as it would be a loss in work permit fees. Tara, um, Kathy Ann? No, I was just saying that we do have um, consumer protection legislation. It's in draft form, um, yeah. but it's just finding a government that has the, the political will to implement it because consumer protection protects us the people and it might not necessarily be favored by the businesses but i mean perfect example is last week my husband went to the supermarket um he got a container of soap soap washing um sorry laundry detergent and it was twenty dollars more than it was in the he, he left that store and went to another store and it was $20 cheaper. Mm. Fortunately, he was able to go back and the store gave him a refund. But by law, um, they're not they're not obligated to do that. You know, so mm. we definitely need to implement the consumer protection uh, legislation that's in draft form for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And like, we could also establish a consumer protection commission as well. Right. And the fact is, is that we that this can be done, Sandra. This is where in 2021, consumer protection agency exists in every modern country, right? And the fact is, is that there, there, it can be done, and it, it doesn't take a lot. What we, what, what I don't want to see is is increase in cost, right? We need to use the existing agencies so that that can actually handle this. So use the resources of the economic and statistics units to create and look at what's driving the cost of living. Use the ombudsman's job to, to um, position to actually look at consumer protection complaints 
and, and those types of things, because what we do is we create another agency, then creates another layer of bureaucracy. I think that they are, we can actually make this work. And if we make, but we have to look at it as, as everyone has said, in a, in a transparent and a candid manner and don't, don't sit behind, well, if we do this, then this is going to happen. I think that in most modern countries, consumer protection agencies are critical because it makes everybody operate in, in within the guidelines of the law and the regulations. Mm-hmm. Sharon makes an interesting point mm-hmm. um, about letting Caymanians into the police and prison department. Pretty sure some <laughs> of our tourism workers uh, could do that. Now, government themselves um, certainly have a lot to answer for in terms of why the civil service, um, you know, they I think it's, they do say that they hire the most Caymanians, but a lot of times it's low-level jobs and even low-level jobs. Sometimes Caymanians have a hard time competing for within the civil service. So Sharon makes a wonderful point. Um, one of those such agencies that I'm shocked at that has almost every single employee is um, a Jamaican worker is um, the boys and girls home of all entities, the boys and girls home where you should be trying to have. And I've had residents and former residents of that institution say there's only like one or two Caymanians there. Everybody else is a foreign worker and they get the feeling that these foreign workers don't really care that much about them. They're not invested in seeing them do well. They're just there because it's a job. And trust me, I sat through an entire trial where two men were on trial um, for the death of a young man who drowned in the care of the boy's home. And whilst I think by all accounts, those two men, you know, the residents liked them, et cetera, it did occur to me that when the manager got up on the stand and gave this flippant attitude that he did and responded like, you know, oh, that wasn't his job and this wasn't his job. And literally when the attorneys would ask him certain questions, he would say, why didn't you ask the chief officer? They, they were the ones who were meant to be supervising me, your Caymanian chief officers at that. And they weren't supervising me because he was so good as an American at finagling his way into the back pocket of the board and the board um, chairman going to church with him and all this kind of stuff to make friends that nobody, there was no proper oversight of that particular um, managing director, CEO, whatever his official title was of the Kays Foundation. And then when a, when a young Caymanian life is lost as a result of poor policies being in place, no one has been held to account. No one has, to this day, been held to account for that young man's death. And I have Caymanian residents saying to me, these workers here, this is just a job to them. They don't really care about us. They, they show no interest in, you know, we want to develop these young people into productive citizens and give them a fighting chance because ultimately we have to remain and work with them and live with them in this community. So Sharon, point well taken. Why is government not showing more of an interest in hiring their own people for so many jobs across um, private sector? Catherine, you are certainly a former civil servant to some extent. I think you were briefly with the, was it the um, legal the reform commission? The law of legal affairs, yes. Yes. Um, what's your take then on that comment from Sharon? 
Uh, taking it aside, taking it away from myself and looking at other civil servants, uh, we have many civil servants who, in my opinion, aren't on a proper succession plan. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's something that we need to have like a succession planning committee or a succession planning board, something that eliminates um, so almost like self-regulation. Like I'll give you an example of what I'm trying to explain. So we look at the fire service. We have three deputy chief officers vying for the position of chief officer. Who mm -hmm. determines if one of those individuals is ready? The person that they will replace. And that's what we need to remove. Now, why would that individual say that one of those deputies is ready? It's, it's going to remove him from his post. And that's where I think we need to put procedures in place to remove any um, injustices from our Caymanian people. And then we have many other positions within within the civil service. I mean, I'm sure it happens in the private sector as well. But, you know, we need to have conversations about what Caymanian wants to be the next attorney general, what Caymanian wants to be the next um, registrar of lands and survey. And, and once we establish that and there's a proper succession plan in place, that is regulated by somebody outside of who is going to be replaced, then we will see Caymanians holding these positions. But that's not happening. And that's why Caymanians aren't at the top of the, the ladder. Not because Caymanians don't work hard, not because Caymanians don't have work ethic, but because the individuals who they're replacing are regulating the process. And, and that's just not fair. Yeah, well, we've seen some examples of hiring in the civil service gone completely wrong. And um, where, you know, their own tribunals have found against them. So, Michael, um, thank you so much. We have so many comments here. I'm not able to read every single one of them, but make sure, let me make sure I get one of Michael's in. Uh, Michael says, I met with the Minister of Education and Counselor of Education in January 2020. Um, I submitted a proposal to begin training from our high schools or children must be exposed to careers from year seven, and they can be put on a career path for six years. I guarantee that we would have professionals by the 12th grade in many emerging sectors. This was not taken up and I've not heard from them from January of 2020. So that was right before mm -hmm. the lockdown. Our training center has bypassed government and we're now providing scholarships and career. And then unfortunately um, there is a word limit here. Um, and Michael goes on to say that government is very much aware what needs to happen to developer people in tourism, construction, automotive, technology industries. I've contributed to several consultation reports paid for by tourism and main government. So again, paying for these reports is one thing, but actually taking on the advice in the reports is a whole other question. Um, Dana uh, talks about the best vacation one of her patients remembers from over 40 years ago was with Kathy's father, Mr. Austin, and his sailboat. Caymanian hospitality is precious, and you are the gems in the Caribbean. Thank you so much for that. Um, Neelis is thanking Sharon for her comment. Kenneth says, we also need to do a better job on the back end checks, background checks, sorry, on all hires and work permits of non-Caymanians. Absolutely, Kenneth. Um, Eden, this looks like we need to do a part two in this conversation, folks. Eden says, not surprising, unfortunately. I'm glad you pushed through to help provide so much opportunity. Another fine example of how Caymanians can overcome challenges. Wow. 
Um, Jackie is here. Uh, Jackie says, when we talk about what we can do to move Caymanians ahead in our many trades and tourism fields, all of these things are possible under the right leadership. The first solution or action through, uh, though, sits with the people, and we have to vote in every district for those uh, new strong leaders. So um, Sasha agrees with Jackie's position. Folks, we're actually out of time this morning, and trust me, 150 of you are still very much tuned into the program. We have a good number on YouTube this morning, and I'm sure we also have tons more uh, watching directly through the website. I wish I could continue this conversation at least for another hour, especially since it's a public holiday. However, I did commit to going to see an elderly client at 10 o'clock this morning, and I want to get to her um, as closely to that time as I can. So um, I have some obligations and then I'm helping to, um, we've got a play date arranged later on in the day as well. So, you know, my four-year-old enjoys her, her own company uh, and the company of her friends. So Kathy, I know your time was short this morning. Um, we will have you back on today is yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday. Tomorrow's Thursday, folks. So tomorrow we have Osborne Bodden, who's going to be on the show and Alric Lindsay. And then Friday, we go back to some of the Georgetowners. We have Mr. Samuel Sammy Jackson and Miss um, Sabrina Turner. Uh, we might have to start doing some evening sessions. Like I was kind of thinking, you know, because we do the conversations with, I know Raul, you're up next on um, having your conversation with segment. But geez, we, we might have to ramp up. With the shortened six weeks that we've lost, we might have to ramp up a couple more shows um, in between. So Raul and Catherine, a.k.a. Kathy Ann, thank you guys so much for joining us this morning. Thanks to everyone who logged in. We have uh, we had over 200 and something people at one point, but my poor computer, I need to speak to the IT manager around here, which happens to be my husband. And I've been trying to say to him um, that I need an upgrade now he's been thinking, I just want an upgrade for the sake of an upgrade. You know how you know how these IT people are, and uh, in fact, give him a raise. appears to be necessary because twice in the past week and a half, I've noticed that I just get this blue screen that says, "Oops, something has happened, and your computer needs to restart." And then it doesn't even give me an option to say, "No, you can't restart right now." I'm, I'm in the middle of a show. It just goes bloop, and it restarts. And that happened again this morning. So, folks. I'm going to have to twist his arm a little bit to help me pick a, a solution in terms of a PC upgrade, something with probably a better graphics card. But anyway, Raul, thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, everyone. And um, I'm sure we'll be back again soon. So, um, Kathy, have a good day. Everyone else, have a fantastic day and enjoy your holiday. Now, for some reason, Kathy looks like she's frozen as well. Oh, she better talk to her IT manager over that oh, end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy's right. issue might just be internet because uh, right. sometimes the internet struggles, but um, Flo has hooked us up here with um, the best available um, internet that we get in this area in any event because the upload speeds depend, you know, that determines how people see you for these yeah. types of programs. So yes, Linda, the blue screen of death is exactly what that is. I've not seen it in a very long time because, you know, Windows OS tends to be a lot more stable, but I'm concerned now that I've seen it twice in the last couple of weeks. That means that something is not quite right with the computer system. 
Um, I'm taxing it a little bit too much. Alwick wishes everyone a happy Ash Wednesday. Normally, this would be the day, folks, that we would be going to the agriculture show. And a lot of you would be purchasing plants and having some nice um, Caymanian meals for the day. That's not happening. Now, I need to call Miss Alrita in town to see what's on her menu today because you guys know Miss Alrita. She's a Georgetowner right up the street from Wellis, actually. And she cooks some of the most amazing food um, ever. And I'm hoping she's got lobster on the on the menu today, but I need to check her and see what I can get some home cooking from Miss Alrita's kitchen. But Kathy, uh, as usual, thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing some very insightful um, positions that you have. Both you and Raul are running in the district of West Bay. Kathy is West Bay Central against Captain Eugene. And uh, from all appearances and the talk on the street is that Kathy is doing a really good job reaching out to her constituents. And um, we, you know, we've already predicted some winners because the Guti went by this morning. So Raul is in West Bay South, some new developments. If you join the program late today, go back to the beginning of the program because I broke it down in significant detail in terms of what is happening with Tara Rivers because the talk on the mall road is Tara is not going to be running again for elected office. She's retiring from politics. So shout out to Alric. Alric says that West Bay has some good candidates and Catherine and Raul. And Marshall says, um, don't twist his arm too much. He might need that to fix another, something else another time. So um, Marshall reminding me not to twist my husband's arm too much. Um, Betty, thank you so much for your comments. And uh, Catherine, you got a prediction here from Kenneth Bryan. And he says, Kathy is a winner. Woohoo! Well, Eric Gucci has spoken, folks. So um, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7.30. Like I said, tomorrow we have Mr. Osborne, Ozzy Bodden, who's going to be joining us. And Alric Lindsay is up as well. So the two of them will be here in the program. Folks, have a fantastic day. It's actually a really, really beautiful day outside today. Um, like I said, I'm going to jetty send off to um, an older lady. Um, I really have a soft spot in my heart for my older clients um, because they need a little bit extra time and a little bit extra love, but I have all the patience in the world for them. Trust me. I have one new client who is a, um, he's new, but he is pretty much bedridden. Um, his faculties are fine. He, you know, his brain is fine, but uh, he had an accident. He had a fall. So he is at the moment um, in a day bed pretty much all the time. He has to be in bed. And so when he calls me, I make sure that I answer the phone and sometimes I have to do remote sessions with him to get him sorted out. But yeah, you know, our, our elderly is such an important part of our, the fiber of who we are as Caymanians. And we need to have that discussion about ensuring that we are taking care of them uh, because that is our obligation. So Neela says, um, coming from you, that is something to note. Uh, Tony Coe, hey, Tony, what's up? I hardly see Tony here. He says, great candidates, and I support both, especially his cousin, Raul. Yeah, hi, Tom. So, um, yes. So the um, Coles, uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about when we drew conversations with um, the Cole side of Raul's family and who yeah, they yeah. are and all yeah. that good stuff. So Rachel says, yes, Kathy Ann has got West Bay Central. What? Big time predictions. You're most welcome, uh, Betty Ebanks, uh, Miss Sue. 
says yes, and the young culinary students from UCCI are still in their cooking competition as my gr grandson is cooking them. Coaching. Is coaching them, sorry. Uh, good luck to them all. Oh, so they're still doing the competition. Why didn't anybody invite me? I mean, if you're gonna have a culinary competition, folks, I need to be there because I'm like the food connoisseur, right? <laughs> I need to be sampling all of these dishes and more importantly, giving these young chefs a lot of exposure. We have some really amazing, talented young people in the field of um, the culinary arts. And it is an art form, trust me. As Chef Remy always said to me when I would attend his cooking classes, you eat with your eyes first and then your mm -hmm. other senses and your taste buds tend to be one of the last things that actually get to engage in the eating process. Your eyes, your sense of smell, it's just such an amazing experience. Yeah. On that note, folks, Sandra, wait, wait, don't go yet. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to make a very, very special announcement. Um, okay. Today, my parents are celebrating their 42nd wedding anniversary. And I just Beautiful. wanted to, I haven't spoken to my mom or my dad yet for the morning, but I see that my mom is watching and many of her, um, their friends. So I just want to say how happy I am that they're my parents and to wish them many more happy, healthy years together. Oh, great. Wonderful. Congratulations. 42 Congratulations. years, yes? So happy yes. anniversary um, to Kathy's parents. Uh, 42 years is a lifetime together, and may you have an, at least another 42 together. Mm -hmm. uh, Raul, you had yeah. some comments as well. Yeah, I, no, I just wanted, you made some very good comments that day, and Sandra, like taking care of her elderly. I think it's important for any country to take care of the young and the elderly because those are the times that people are most vulnerable. And I think mm -hmm. we need to develop strategies to make sure that happens. And that's, 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 that's what I just wanted to say, but thank you very much for this opportunity. Look forward to having another amazing discussion again um, on this very, very same topic, because I think it works. It, 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 it warrants more discussion and more candid discussions as well on it, because it's not mm -hmm. going to go away. Okay, beautiful. Yep. All right, thank you guys again. Um, Tony says, I'm ready to help campaign and blowhorn to excite people for his district. All right, folks, let's get on I love it. it. Like, um, have a yeah, good day. Absolutely. But I also okay. wanted to say, I am, remember I told you I'm like, I have a sweet tooth. So if the culinary arts wants a really good judge for desserts, <laughs> I am that person. Okay. But you can't, when does Lent start though? Because well, you're I, giving that up. So. I, I, I'm giving up sugar in my coffee, but I wouldn't, you know, like a good cake, I'll never give up a good piece of cake. Oh my goodness. All right. So but I'll, they'll have to twist my arm. But I would, after Lent, I'll be perfect, the perfect candidate. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Bye bye. Hi. All right, okay, so, so bye okay. to Kathy, bye to Raul. Um, thank them both for joining us this morning. Uh, folks, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Kenneth, for your kind words. He says, thank you, CMR, for these shows. Really gives people a chance to see great candidates. Um, Chantel, you have a beautiful day. And of course, Miss Anne, uh, her grandson, ja Jamal, went to um, Johnson Wales University in Miami, and he is in the culinary arts also. So thank you guys all this morning for tuning in. Great show. Uh, we have some wonderful shows here, I got to tell you, all the time. Uh, if you miss it, you can always go back. Um, please do not forget that you can go back on social media. We're back on YouTube. Don't know for how long, but we'll try to stick with YouTube's policies. Uh, but they block for the most unusual things. Um, 
And we're also on Facebook, we're on the website, and we're looking at alternative options to make sure that you can live stream anytime that you want. So folks, have a good one. Uh, be safe. Enjoy the public holiday today. Lots of candidates are coming out of the woodworks now, and we're very interested to hear from all of them. If you haven't seen him on, seen them on here yet, they definitely need to reach out to us. Um, sales at caymanmallroad.com, and we can discuss how to get you on the program so people can know exactly what it is that you stand for. Beautiful day outside. Go outside, enjoy some fresh breeze, some fresh air. Take the family for a ride to Northside, East End. Spend some money in the local community and support local businesses who ultimately um, support everybody else, including their families that are local. So Jason says, great show, very good people. All the best, Kathy and Raul. Folks, that's all she wrote. I'm out for now. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 